You are listening to the Data Point podcast, brought to you by The Hindu. I'm your host, Sonika Loganathan. Today, we're taking a look at diabetes, an ailment that is often referred to as the rich man's disease. But is that really true? Data from the National Family Health Survey 5, which was conducted between 2019 and 2021, found that while this is the case, it's not really to the extent or severity that we may think. Diabetes is a disease that is highly linked to lifestyle choices like your diet and how much exercise you get. The share of people with high random blood glucose levels was lowest in the poorest 20% of households in India, but it was the highest in the richest 20%. The assumption is that wealthier people who have jobs in office spaces and access to various food don't get enough exercise or eat particularly healthy, whereas those from poorer backgrounds work more labor-intensive jobs and eat more simple home-cooked food. But the data shows that the difference between the women population in India who are either on medication to control diabetes or had a random blood glucose level higher than 140 milligrams per deciliter was only 6.4 percentage points. 10.6% of the lowest quintile had high blood glucose levels, whereas it was 17% with the richest wealth quintile. So is diabetes a rich man's disease? I spoke to Emilia Zabalute, an anthropologist and lecturer at Durham University, and K. Srinath Reddy, a physician and honorary distinguished professor at the Public Health Foundation of India, about this and what factors are at play here. Yeah, you're very right in that it's usually considered a rich man's disease. And I think that's a sort of a lot of preconceptions there and cultural ideas about diabetes being this illness associated with surplus, with a lot of food. And so generally public, but also sometimes, you know, in, in all our public so we have this idea that it is rich man's disease. However, it doesn't really reflect the realities of many people across the world and not only in India. It actually, data shows that um not only the incidence, the high numbers of the diabetes, but also the scale of suffering from chronic illnesses and, and diabetes, and especially when it comes to complications, it's also very prevalent among people with lower income levels. So yeah, both numbers and, and sort of insights into how people actually experience the disease really show that it's really not just rich people's disease, as our popular imagination suggests very often. Indeed. Neither is it purely a man's disease, nor is it purely a rich person's disease. If you actually look at the global distribution of diabetes, both men and women are affected by diabetes. And we know from global experience that in general, diabetes, cardiovascular diseases, and some of the other chronic diseases start first in the higher socioeconomic group and then progressively start reversing. Initially, there is homogeneity between the higher and the lower socioeconomic groups. And then the poorer sections become the more dominant victims over a long period of time. 
when the epidemics mature into an advanced state. And there are several reasons for this. Initially, the very fat-rich, energy-rich diets are consumed by the richer classes. They also have little of physical activity because they have access to labor-saving devices. And therefore, they are much more likely to be having overweight and obesity and attendant diabetes and cardiovascular disease. Emilio, would you agree with this? Yeah, I think, um, well, I, I agree to that. Of course, there's a lot of changes, structural changes in diets uh, in urban areas, but also in, in poor ones. So there's a lot of that. Uh, even if we think about persons who, uh, for instance, work physically intensive work and we would assume sometimes again that maybe they eat more traditional diets or you know but actually the diets have been changing they're continuously changing but also um, increasingly in India but also across the world the unhealthy food is cheaper food and so that's one of the things that from that medical perspective that actually causes that. The point here is that the reasons are really varied and there's no really probably one answer or one explanation So what are some of the factors behind this rise in diabetes among the poorer populations beyond what we know, which is diet and exercise? And what kinds of challenges are poorer people facing? There are a number of factors. I mentioned only diet, and diet is an important factor. Physical activity is an important factor. And also the kind of stress levels, sleep levels, all of these actually are important contributors to body inflammation. And inflammation is the underlying basis of both diabetes and uh, cardiovascular disease through uh, the mechanism of insulin resistance with which it is associated. Now, let me explain how even in terms of diet, the poor actually consume now far less of fiber and health-giving fruit and vegetables. And they also have now polished grain, therefore they don't get much fiber. They have unhealthy edible oils, which also stoke inflammation. At the same time, physical activity does continue, but not necessarily across all classes of uh, the poor. There are a number of poor who do not have the same level of physical activity as in the past. But stress levels are high. Sleep is often very irregular. Uh, because they work all kinds of uh, evening hours and night hours. And therefore, for a variety of reasons, uh, the poor are much more likely to have a much greater degree of uh, inflammation in the body, which is associated with uh, diabetes and heart disease. At the same time, let me also mention one thing, that in terms of what we consider overweight and obesity, the problem is somewhat underestimated if we take the classical the body mass index uh, for defining overweight and obesity. The problem is more with the total body fat or adiposity and where it is distributed. If it is distributed much more around the abdominal organs, it's called visceral adiposity. And that is much more associated with inflammation and insulin resistance and diabetes. And unfortunately, the kind of unhealthy foods that the poor are forced to eat can lead to a fair amount of visceral adiposity, even if they appear to be thin from the outside. 
So these are some of the challenges that the poor face. And of course, the other big problem, even otherwise, routine health services do not really reach the poor in adequate numbers for timely diagnosis. And therefore, even diabetes doesn't get detected or detected very late when it has already reached the stage of complications. And even when they do access health services, they're not often treated with the same level of consideration as some of the richer and more affluent and educated sections are. So the poor suffer from a higher exposure to risk factors of diabetes. They suffer from less information. They suffer from less access to health services and they suffer from less attention from health services. All of these matter in terms of the neglected epidemic of diabetes among the poorer sections of our population. Emilia also noted that research is showing that epigenetics also plays a role here. Epigenetics is when changes occur because of the way a gene is expressed or appears because of external factors, rather than a change in the genetic code itself. So for instance, um, a child whose mother was malnourished while pregnant, you know, that person will have in later life higher risk for diabetes. So there's also these kind of, uh, you know, new, new scientific research also shows those kind of factors that are, you know, actually very directly associated with poverty uh, and, and, and lower life quality that actually um, would higher that risk for for persons with lower incomes it's also uh, a lot of stress and as i mentioned already environmental pollution those are also factors but what i want to talk more about and what i'm also as a social scientist much more qualified to talk about <laughs> is actually that you know we often think about diabetes as associated with lifestyles and the thing here is crucial to understand that lifestyle or that sort of way of living of persons is not necessarily something people really directly choose. This really depends on structural conditions uh, uh, and, and social processes. So uh, that food, you know, is not necessarily just about person's individual choices or wishes. It's something that, you know, um, economic position, social environment, and all that determines for people very often. The kind of care that people have access to within the healthcare system, but also in their community, plays a crucial role in the ways in which people handle this disease. India's public healthcare system, you know, historically been focusing on reproductive healthcare, family planning, and, and children's under five care. But um, the primary healthcare that would, you know, be crucial in diagnosing and then directing persons towards care has been quite weak historically and especially when it comes to chronic illnesses and preventative health care and private health care which is also used by low-income persons and high-income persons in India is also quite fragmented and what a lot of scholars especially anthropologists who've been following diabetes care in medical settings in very diverse settings, usually what they emphasize is that good diabetes care actually needs a lot of quite personalized attention and a continuous attention, the sort of experimenting with care, really looking what works for a certain person, you know, experimenting with medication, their doses, their diets. And so it's a, it's a continuous and careful process, a work both by the patient and the doctor. 
And that requires health system to be very strong, actually, and, and not really fragmented. And that requires also people to go to the same practitioners continuously and have some sort of relationship and continuity in that care. So that's also just one of the issues to think about when um, we think about, you know, what needs for good life with diabetes, for diagnosis, for actually for, for people even to know that they have diabetes. Right. And Srinath, can you comment a little bit more about India's healthcare system and why maybe more people aren't getting checked or screened for invisible diseases like diabetes? If you have awareness, you seek services. But even if you have that awareness, if your services are not available in a nearby location, you defer your visit to a a health center. If a health center is far away or your doctor is not there, or uh, testing equipment is not there, then you do not really uh, undertake any uh, visit uh, there, and you do not travel far away for getting yourself tested. So, uh, for a variety of reasons, both lack of awareness, which limits self-referral, as well as uh, limited uh, facilities in medical centers uh, in, in rural areas, those are challenges. And uh, even a uh, routinely, people are not tested for diabetes, uh, even if somebody goes for a headache or a, or a pain in the leg. If uh, the person is 40 or 50 years old, they're not routinely tested uh, for diabetes. Now there is a program that's being initiated where diabetes would be tested in the adult population attending primary care and government facilities, but that still has to roll out fully. Uh, the idea of getting a comprehensive uh, primary health care with uh, diabetes and hypertension screening is now very much on the cards, but it's still not rolled out yet. So you need both. You need both self-referral as well as uh, uh, screening or opportunist screening or targeted screening uh, to detect diabetes. So walk me through how diabetes would play out differently between a lower income person and a higher income person. You know, once diagnosed, what would that look like? Yeah, so one, of course, like a a high-income person would have probably more opportunities for a better care. Uh, the lower-income person probably would have quite fragmented care. It really depends on its income. Like again, to put in a, a blue-collar worker, or like it's it's you know it's um, it's difficult to put persons in a particular class. Like it really depends. I work with very low-income persons who live in urban poor areas in Delhi, um, so a lot of these. People, for instance, could not afford medicine. Like it was very expensive for them, so they relied very often those who uh, lived in Delhi to actually for on governmental medication, which governmental public healthcare system actually provides to some of of, of the people um, free medication, free monthly insulin doses, for instance. Um, but you know, just to access that and to to reach that, you have to do a very lengthy journey. And if you're working, usually like blue collar workers or working class persons usually work really long hours. So for them, even just to find one day and to travel, like to spend all day there in the hospital and, and to travel maybe alone, it, it requires, again, a lot of efforts, a lot of resources and just, just to get that medication. Um, similarly, you know, if that, if that was a man who was working, maybe he would have some opportunities for that 
I worked also with women who, for instance, had a lot of difficulties at home. They had childcare responsibilities, which was for them almost impossible to actually go, or even accompany uh, some elderly members of the family, like an elderly woman. So um, I I met one person, for instance, who was, you know, she, she couldn't read or write, but she was making these journeys on her own and then a couple of times with me also to get those medications. So to summarize, yes, the medication, of course, and care, that would be very different for persons. Regarding food, uh, of course, um, it's yet another factor. Like they they would probably choose cheaper foods like vegetables and fruits, for instance, and not pro- not that affordable for everyone again in exactly those quantities if people like something sweet or they would choose rather unhealthy sugary or very high carb diets instead of uh, healthier vegetables healthy fruits that is acceptable for persons with diabetes or or persons at risk to eat the other thing that i think is very specific um, to delhi is the air pollution which i think of course we all breathe the same air but Class differences also determine really what kind of air we breathe. We also looked at the education levels to see if there was a connection between years of schooling and the prevalence of diabetes. The data shows that 17.4% of women in India who were either on medication to control their diabetes or had a random blood glucose level higher than 140 mg per deciliter completed zero years of schooling, while just 8.4% of those who completed over 11 years of schooling had high blood glucose levels. Which begs the question, can education be used as a proxy for awareness about the disease? Education does matter a lot. As I said, it also depends upon the stage of health transition. If you had asked me this question about 50 years ago or even 100 years ago in India, we would have said that the richer and more educated sections would have more diabetes. But over the last 20, 25 years, it's become abundantly clear that there has been a reversal of the social gradient and the poor and the less educated are suffering much more. And indeed, it has been shown that when it comes to diabetes and cardiovascular disease, education trumps even income. You may have a high income level, but if you are not well educated, you are more likely to get disease. And if you do not have a high income level, and you are not well educated, then you are suffering in both ways. And therefore, this reversal of social gradient that has occurred over a period of time now puts the poor and the less educated at much higher risk of both developing the disease and of having neglected care for the disease. How does having more awareness or education lead to better care for oneself? Now, the rich and the more educated person, particularly the more educated person who has more access to health information, first of all, changes the dietary habits, eats food which has more uh, unrefined grains, uh, unrefined carbohydrate. It uh, eats more of fruit and vegetables with a lot of fiber, uh, consumes more healthy edible oils. Uh, contains also the total amount of calories so that they do not get overweight or obese. They undertake exercise, leisure time, physical activity more regularly in order to keep their weight under control and keep their body adiposity under control. They don't smoke. Uh, And smoking also, by the way, is an important risk factor for diabetes. That's not very well known, but it is. It raises the risk of 
what we call dysglycemia or glucose intolerance and also what diabetes so and they are much less uh, exposed to air pollution they work in air conditioned offices or in home environments which are not exposed to the polluted air outside their lives are less stressful they sleep much better and therefore in all all accounts their lives are conditioned now to reduce the risk of diabetes and they go free for frequent health checkups they get their diabetes detected early they get it take, uh, taken care of very meticulously both uh, through self care as well as through uh, medical care and therefore they prevent the complications and great more uh, educated the person is more likely the person is to seek this health services and get attention as well i think uh... To some extent, yes, of course, people need to know about the illness and they do need to know what can be done to control it or even just to look out for themselves and or to look out for their loved ones, you know, because very often these kind of decisions and modes of attentions really happen in the family. Um, people look out for each other and have suspicions about a particular illness or care for each other especially in the context of weak health systems so yes knowledge is is very important however during my research period i've never met persons who didn't know what diabetes is actually a lot of people know it even those persons who don't know how to read or write who have very low literacy levels very low formal education levels they actually know what diabetes is and they actually also have a lot of knowledge how to control it so and and they really um creatively navigate those uh, care ecologies that are available for them with a lot of um you know creativity and 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 a lot of effort and manage somehow often to assemble care that is needed for them so uh one example for instance i met a family where three persons had diabetes one person didn't have it very seriously so he didn't really follow much uh, any of the guidances but there was a child in the family who had type 1 diabetes and um it was quite poor family so they they got a lot of uh, charity help and free yoga classes for the child and free medication um whereas the grandmother of the child again she she would get care resources from yet other public health services so people knew a lot and they somehow you know gathered all that and on also some from the ngos it's not necessarily you know sometimes education sometimes very often people actually know but it's again about those everyday constraints and uh, social constraints that actually prevent them to really care for themselves the way that very often you know by medical advice would want them to so considering we're talking about poorer populations how is diabetes manifesting among rural populations let me first take you to united states and europe mm-hmm. where over a century the rural population has the higher levels of risk factors for heart disease and diabetes if you look at united states it is rural america which has more obesity more diabetes more hypertension more cardiovascular disease that was not true about 70 80 years ago so as i said health transition does take place over time along with uh, developmental transition and urbanization it's it's the result of maladapted modernity if we may call it mm. now the same phenomenon is happening in india too rural areas would have had much less diabetes about 50 years ago the rates are increasing fairly rapidly in rural india 
the kind of food they're eating, ultra-processed foods, uh, and they're exporting most of their fruit and vegetables to other parts of the world or to urban India uh, for richer people to consume. And uh, with labor-saving transport devices now becoming available, like tra road transport, etc., uh, their physical activity levels are also getting lower. Therefore, rural India is also now getting exposed. If you look at the kind of food they're consuming, particularly packaged or ultra-processed foods that are available, then you sort of recognize that they are actually uh, having a challenge. So while uh, rural rates are lower than urban India right now, they're rising and over a period of time, there is the danger that they could actually increase uh, to urban levels as the social gradient continues to reverse uh, both in terms of urban-rural comparison and both in terms of rich and poor comparison. And Amelia, what about women? How does diabetes affect women differently? India is so diverse and really um, just to make really large sort of scale generalizations is, is quite difficult and I don't think it's, it's very just. However, of course, there are in, in communities, for instance, where mostly women are responsible for cooking and making home and and there is a quite division of of labor but also um, certain internal familial hierarchies uh, gendered hierarchies around food and food sharing and food making so these kind of factors also of course can affect the way um, some women care for themselves indeed some research for instance says that you know it's it's difficult for women for instance in india especially among low-income women to to cook food for themselves separately from the family, for instance, if she has diabetes, because that would not be, you know, first of all, of course, there's a lack of resource and that wouldn't just be really socially acceptable to put so much effort on your own meals when you're actually a carer for the family. Beyond simply knowing about the disease, what else holds people back from seeking adequate treatment? Is there like a hesitancy to get tested? Is there a lack of knowledge on how to adapt one's lifestyle? What's what's holding people back? These are diseases that occur in a manner that they're not always manifest to the person who is suffering. I mean, if somebody has an injury or a visible cancer or something like that, they experience it. High blood pressure and diabetes are often not detected till rather late. Though... There are symptoms that people should be aware of, of excessive fatigue, excessive urination, and a number of other things, including family history. All of these, people should become much more aware of when they should suspect they're having possible diabetes. And with that additional education, people will actually seek care earlier. But it's also important that the health services are on the lookout and screen much more actively in order to detect uh, because these are not things that come to surface very easily, unlike a fever or a jaundice or something like that. So is this really more of a question of access to information about invisible diseases rather than one that is tied more directly to wealth? We are seeing a huge rise in diabetes in India, and we are seeing it happen in uh, men as well as in women, and we are seeing it happen in very young people. Previously, uh, it was considered a very unlikely that what's called type 2 diabetes or adult onset diabetes would occur below the age of 30 years. Then it started occurring between 20 and 30 as well. Now we are seeing it in the teens with increasing levels of obesity or body fat uh, adiposity. 
So I think it's absolutely important for us to first of all make people much more aware of the risk factors, to enable them to have healthier diets which are affordable, to promote greater levels of physical activity, and to educate people about what diabetes is in terms of its symptoms and complications, and motivate them not only to prevent diabetes, but also to seek care early through self-referral. I think the special like particularities of the disease, perhaps, of course, persons who had more knowledge Uh, like formal schooling about biology, about how human body works. So if you if you think about that medical knowledge, I'm I'm sure that among persons with high degrees of formal education, that that knowledge would be higher about specifics of the disease. And you know, I think this is about really breaking it down. Does uh, is that knowledge about diabetes or is about care? And then also, does that knowledge actually translate into better care for for these persons if they actually understand? Uh, what diabetes is in biological and medical terms. When we think about diabetes care, we, we often talk about this resistance and the patient non-compliance. But actually what happens in a clinic, you know, is just a very small part of people's lives. And they have all kinds of other social obligations, also structural concerns. So I think this again um, gets back us to these questions around really free choice and whether people make these choices and very conscious decisions or whether a lot of things including social constraints but also just life and, and care possibilities really get on the way for many people to care uh, for themselves so again you know for among poor populations i think it really would be mostly the structural issues that you know wouldn't allow persons to really have a very healthy diet what doctors would advise or do some physical exercise you know um, if people live in a very small place in a very cramped urban area like there's really not even place not in a park no 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 opportunities for that but even among higher person higher income persons i think it's uh, sometimes you know a lot of social structural constraints are more um, at play as well, but of course in less, less serious way. That's it for this week's episode, but I'll be back soon to unpack the next big data story. This podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other major streaming platforms. Just search for Data Point by The Hindu. And you can find all of our Data Point stories at thehindu.com slash data. Thanks for listening.